0: You're listening to the SEO for Photographers Podcast by Fuel Your Photos. In each episode, Dylan and Corey discuss topics that will help you get more clicks from Google. Ready to rank? Let's dive in.
1: Welcome to episode 34. Today, we're going to talk about SEO audits and reports, things that, uh, tools that people often use to try to check and see how their site is doing, what their SEO score is like, or what kind of problems they might have. Uh, There's lots and lots of these tools out there. And today we're going to talk about some of the main ones and
0: how you should be thinking about using these tools or whether you should use them at all. Cool. I'm super excited to talk about this. I I think we've seen, we've both noticed a, a large number of posts in our Facebook group and other Facebook groups that we're in. Uh, where people are posting screenshots from a few of these audit tools. And so we decided to run my site through a few of those and give them a little test. What'd you find so far? Well, I think the the, ex- the results were what I expected. Uh, I honestly kind of thought that we had, as a collective group, gotten over these SEO tools maybe 10 years ago. <laughs> um, I remember when I first got into SEO, I I quickly realized that all of the local SEO companies or smaller SEO companies were using the same audit tool I, I can't remember who was selling it I remember um, that tool but yeah they all had it on their site where people or you just embed it. it it
1: was just like exactly. a service where you embed the audit it runs it for you you, you brand it as your own report yep. and
0: send a PDF or whatever exactly and yeah. like it would generate these PDFs to try to get people to like sign up for their services and it was all just like you have 17 errors or, or like 150 errors or 2000 errors. Uh, and we really need to fix this. And the only way to do it is by you hiring us. Yes. Uh, it's just, people are still apps. doing that in the photography right. space. Like there's
1: some people who do SEO for photographers who have these audits that you can go on their website and run. And it's the same. In fact, I don't know. I haven't looked very recently, but <laughs> sometime last year it was that exact same service that you were re- referencing. At one of the people in the space was using it on their site. Amazing.
0: Yeah. Bravo. Okay. So, okay.
1: Before we jump into the tools and, you know, talking about whether they're useful or not and how you should be looking at them, uh, maybe talk about the common tools. What I would love to hear from you is what tools do you use as a professional SEO? If you want to do some sort of audit or crawl on your site and why would you use it?
0: Yeah. So for me personally, I'm very comfortable with a tool called Screaming Frog. I've used Screaming Frog for probably a decade now, and I like it because I can set up its settings to look for the exact problems that I think that I might have. Or I have a decent baseline setup that I can run the typical photographer site. And it's 90% of the time it's going to show me exactly the problems that I actually would care about fixing or finding. Yep. Uh, so that's my, my tool of choice. Okay, so that, talk about that a little bit.
1: What are the kinds of problems that you would care about fixing or solving?
0: Yeah, so first I like to look for broken links, outbound links on people's sites. So if they've linked to hundreds of wedding vendors or thousands of wedding vendors over a longer period of time, and then those vendors' sites have either gone out of business or some, something like that, and the, the links have broken, or if they've done like a, a platform migration or a theme migration, and it's caused a lot of broken links, I like to find those. Okay. I also looking like to links. Look, that's a good yeah I also checklist. like to look for redirects so maybe they had broken links but fix them fixed them with redirects but instead I'd I'd rather they just fixed the links in the first place and had them mm. going to the right spot so they don't have to do internal redirects
1: So in this case you're you're basically looking for like band-aids that really should have been yep. sewn
0: up Exactly especially if it's like multiple layers of redirects which I've mm-hmm. seen before where it's like there's three or four different redirect chain. Like, yeah,
1: and often <laughs> it's not a problem if you do it no. once, but yeah. people will switch their site multiple times and like each time have to put a new band-aid on top of the old band-aid without ever taking it off and fixing the wound. <laughs> exactly.
0: And at some point Google's going to stop crawling those. I I can't remember if it's four or five, but in that range, they're going to stop following the redirect chain. Okay. Um, Broken Link after redirects, that, what else? Yeah. Page title, site title or mm-hmm. Post titles. I like to make sure that the structure is proper, uh, that they don't have their main keyword appended site wide. You can find that with these tools, or you can find it with a site search generally. Um,
1: I love having it in a spreadsheet. Just like that's yep. one of the main reasons I've ever used Screaming Frog and Sitebulb is I just want to improve page titles, and the easiest way to get a list of all my page titles is to crawl the pages and scrape them and pull them into a spreadsheet. That's basically the way I would use that, that the tools.
0: Exactly. Um, after that, um, I would probably look for... Gosh, I'm trying to think of the mo- other major issues I've found. Uh, you can always see headings, which is nice. You can see meta descriptions if you're interested in filling those out.
1: It's interesting to look at response codes. You mentioned redirects yep. and broken links, which that's kind of on the same category. But like looking at response codes to see anything that's not a 200... Uh, what is it doing? Like, why are some of these links 404s? Where were they found? Why are some of these 301s or 302s or 500? You, maybe you have some server errors that you didn't know about. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to get a crawl from a tool that basically mimics what Googlebot is going to see if they crawl your site. In fact, Screaming Bulb or Screaming Bulb, <laughs> Site Bulb and Screaming Frog can run as Googlebot, right? Exactly yep so basically you get the raw data that google would be scraping and that's not necessarily telling you the way that google is organizing it or how they might be prioritizing or deprioritizing or like making decisions on that data but at least you have the data
0: that they would be scraping and that's exactly how i typically do the crawl i run the crawl and then i sort by status code and that quickly shows you all of those problems exactly yeah, but see, we're already pretty technical. We're, we're <laughs> exactly. six minutes
1: in and we're talking about status <laughs> codes. And this is exactly the the reason we wanted to have this episode is because if you aren't familiar enough to know what the status codes mean and, and even how a crawler works to the point where you would understand where did it find this information on my website and why did it record it this way? If you don't know those things... These tools are not likely to be very helpful for you. Like that, yeah. if you're just following it because you're trying to improve a score, because it flagged some issues and you want there to be no issues or something like that, the there's better chance of you breaking something and making it worse than actually fixing your site. In my in my experience.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think finally the last thing I look for is uh, indexability, no index tags, etc. Yeah, so
1: anything that could be accidentally uh, put there, like people yeah. don't know that it's there, it happens exactly. more often than you'd think. Yeah, it's surprising. <laughs>
0: yeah. So yeah, that's so, my screaming frog.
1: Okay, that, that's starting to give us an idea of how a professional uses these tools. It's essentially, we know that there are some problems that are common for sites. And instead of having to go through a site and look through every single page one at a time, we've created tools that automate that process. They let us go through the site um, as a crawler, as a bot, and document the information into a spreadsheet or some sort of report much, much faster so that we know where to focus our attention on fixing the problems. But that means you have to know the problems first. Um, what are some examples? All right, let's kind of move on to the reports that you ran on your site. I think you did Ahrefs and
0: yeah, what I also was the other did- one?
1: I did one called uh, SEO Checker by SEObility. (laughs) Okay, okay. And what I'm interested in hearing is what kinds of things is it flagging and are those actual problems? And
0: why or why not? Yeah, let's go through it. Uh, So the most important task that it said is like the worst problem on my site is that I need to reduce the number of used JavaScript files. Really? And while modern web... Sites typically use too much JavaScript and too many files. Uh, I'm passing core web vitals. My site is very fast. And so it just doesn't have enough context. Um, Somebody has put somewhat of a lazy uh, way of looking at that problem. And they're just saying, like, if you have more than 15 JavaScript files or some arbitrary number, uh, that's too much. (laughs) And they don't care if those JavaScript files are, like... 10 kilobytes or if they're 200 megabytes or something, I don't know. Like they just, they're just being very, it's, it's not a, it's not a good test. Okay. What's scary to me is it, it marks it as red, says it's very important. And I've had multiple people post in different groups saying that they're going to switch platforms or completely have their site rebuilt because of that test, telling them that they're using too much JavaScript.
1: Yeah, and honestly, when you read platform comparisons and reviews, sometimes you will get people writing things. Um, maybe I've even done this in the past. Probably not. I think I've always tried to avoid this kind of stuff. But you'll you'll hear people say, you know, Show it uses too much JavaScript, or Squarespace uses too much JavaScript, or something like that. And it's, it, I think that the when people say something like that, they're getting at a point that is true because those platforms often don't use. Uh, JavaScript in an efficient way or a modern way where they're basically, what is it called? Tree shaking. Like you basically eliminate the stuff that's not being used and you'll have a platform or a builder like Divi, for example, where there's thousands of options and you need, you know, tens of thousands of lines of code to let those options exist. But the correct solution or like modern developers would eliminate any of the options that are not being used from the code that gets run live right? So exactly. if that's not being done, the real the thing is, if you're not a developer, you're not fixing that. If you didn't make your site from scratch, you're probably not fixing that, right? Those yeah. are things that are going to land on your platform. And basically the only thing you can do is go talk to your platform and
0: say, Hey, could you code more efficiently? <laughs> exactly. And that's Good not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and like, yeah, exactly what you said. I think that in general, there's this trade-off between so-called ease of a platform uh, and performance. A lot of the platforms like ShowIt or Squarespace, you're going to be giving up some performance for the air quotes ease of that platform. Yeah. Uh, and that's just something that you have to know up front. Uh, as long as you're okay with that trade-off, you're fine. I don't think you should be too scared about some sort of arbitrary seo test
1: okay so when is that a problem let's let's say yeah okay if you run a test and it says that you've got too much javascript or whatever (laughs) it says that's related to that when would you actually want to take action i think you kind of already alluded to it but tell us
0: so for me i care most about core web vitals and actual real user data showing that the site is either fast and performant enough or too slow and people are not enjoying their web experience. Uh, so that's, that's looking both at actual users. So like if, if somebody's trying to book me as a wedding photographer and they're not like waiting around for my site to load and they just leave, that's bad. Or Google thinks that people are having a high likelihood of that happening via their Core Web Vitals. Uh, those are the two actual Cases that I care about.
1: I think the one other thing I would bring up, if you're really trying to test something like this, uh there's some checkers, some browser extensions or options in some browsers that will let you just turn off JavaScript. Yeah. It could be interesting to run your site without JavaScript and see is it still usable? If the answer is completely no, it's not usable at all, that could be a problem. Yeah. Because JavaScript doesn't always get executed by the browser. It could be because of a poor internet connection. Uh, in the case of a crawler like Google, it could be that it's trying to crawl so fast that it doesn't even get a chance to get to all those JavaScript files that it needed to load the content. It could be interesting to see uh, these days. Yep. Oh, there's something like if you're really doing front-end web development, pretty much everything is going to use JavaScript, right? Like it's there's plenty of sites that don't have full fallbacks if you're not running JavaScript, or at least the fallback is a placeholder or something like that. Like if you're using Facebook, for example, and you don't have a connection and you look at it, like it's going to show you the the cards of a feed that are blank. They're just gray. They have like a you know default profile picture or whatever. These objects get loaded in, but there's nothing passed into them because maybe it doesn't have enough connection or whatever. You get the point. Anyway, the thing is, it could be worthwhile to test your site with no JavaScript just to see is it at least still Uh, Can I get the main information I need from here?
0: Right. And that's a common point where these SEO auditing tools either don't render JavaScript or don't do it consistently. Yeah. So the tool can say, like, your SEO or your title doesn't have the main keyword, and that's because your platform is using JavaScript to insert that title. Yeah, (laughs) Um, that's true. That can happen. Things
1: like that. There's a lot of things that can go wrong with these crawlers. Uh, Right. In fact, some sites block most of these crawlers, Mm -hmm. um, and that can cause you know, it to flag your site as having issues whenever it doesn't have issues. Um, A lot of times I see things like, we're kind of jumping, I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but I see (laughs) it it crawls with some sort of like query string or URL parameter on like thousands of URLs and then flags them as a problem because of some, like you have a Pinterest pin plugin or something that's like, or a word fence or something that's like causing some extra URL to be added to everything. And it's like, Maybe that's a problem. It could be worth, when you run these things, sometimes it can pull up something like that and you're like, oh, huh, I have something misconfigured here and it should be fixed. But most often it's like, oh, the crawler's just not configured to understand my site correctly. Exactly. All right, right, so what are some other things that it has besides too much JavaScript?
0: Okay, so it thinks that my homepage title is 13 pixels too long. It's actually (laughs) showing on both desktop and mobile uh, without being... Shortened, So it's wrong. Um, All it cares about for my meta description is length. Not like, is it enticing? (laughs) Is it a good meta description? Anything like that? Right. And Um, length
1: is even complicated with meta descriptions, right? Like if that tells you to keep it below, it's probably going to say like 145 characters or something along those lines. And that's, that's what I would call two lines. But a lot of times meta descriptions can have four lines. Uh, Totally. So it's, it's an interesting thing where, a report flags everything just because of an arbitrary number, when the real reality is much more dynamic.
0: Yeah, uh, all it has a bunch of just basic boilerplate HTML where it's like looking for UTF-8 uh, character set encoding and doc type being set and all that stuff it doesn't really matter <laughs> too much. I mean, it matters, but it, it, everything handles that properly that I've ever seen. Um, It's like, how much do you want to get into, like, the
1: potential of someone using a browser from 1998 on, you know, like, something that is not going to handle the most common types of code? Like, I I don't know. There's accessibility and, like, just making sure that there's some standard for code so that it is used properly. I get it. I see why people are obsessed with that kind of stuff. But, like... At the same time, uh, is it going to change your rankings by
0: adding, you know, declaring the doc type? No. Period. <laughs> zero. Zero percent. Uh, here's a, we finally getting into something interesting, talking about page quality. And it has a, a tool type or a tool tip that says content is king. <laughs> uh, right now it's saying that some words for my page title are not used within my page content. Uh, because my page title says I'm one of the best wedding photographers in Portland, Oregon, and I don't think I say best anywhere on my homepage. Uh, then it is saying that I have two text duplicates on this page, and that is because I have a section of my page that is using CSS to hide the desktop version on mobile and the mobile version on desktop. Uh, that was kind of a hacky way for me to get one of my sections to be responsive. Um, and Google's going to understand that and not see it as a duplicate, hopefully. Um, but this just isn't rendering CSS when it looks at that HTML.
1: And I feel like that that situation is one where it's a legitimate concern. People sure. who are doing that with their uh, their hero section or like something that's really important that has the main text that you're trying to get Google to recognize, and they might have three or four versions of it instead of just one or two it can be problematic. Like there are some cases I imagine where Google would be confused or see it as um, potential keyword stuffing, or, you know, they might not understand exactly what's going on. Um, But like you said, you did this intentionally. And if you keep it to a, a minimum and you're someone who understands like, Hey, this is not text on this page that I'm extremely concerned about Google being able to, crawl and index and keep you know like it's not going to impact my ranking
0: then you can totally ignore that part of the report right then it gets into some fun stuff uh it says i have too many bold tags 13 too many bold tags (laughs) too many many bold tags bold um it also says that i have 10 images without an alt attribute it doesn't give me an easy way to list those images actually maybe it does uh, looking through the list, it's things that actually, it's just not it's not loading them properly. <laughs> it's it's on them. Uh, those do have alt tags. Uh, it's just not rendering properly on their tool.
1: That would be a common issue on show it probably because they yeah. use like a hacky solution to add alt text to all of their images. Mm-hmm. they have they use a no script tag because all yep. of their images are inserted with JavaScript. I'm pretty sure,
0: yeah. And I've noticed. I had we. I was looking at a site last week, and it was just a regular image that they'd embedded on their page on the canvas, and it was using CSS background for the image. Yeah, I think it for, does on
1: everything. And so something just, like that. It's it's <laughs> they don't use regular images ever.
0: No, and that's not going to show up in Google image search. <laughs> but
1: actually, it does. Surprising. Interesting. The no script tag that they use after the yeah. images. Okay. Um, still is good enough, enough for Google got it it's one of those situations where if I saw it and I was like I didn't know for sure that Google has handled it correctly on lots and lots of show it sites then I would say this is really bad but apparently they tested it and it worked and wow for what I've seen at least on and this was maybe a couple of years ago whenever I wrote that show it um, guide on the blog I really thoroughly tested this to see, on all, like many show it sites, I was like, can Google index these images
0: um, and does it see the alt text? And it was yes every time. Amazing. So I would not have expected that. I, I guess would either. Yeah, I'll look at that closer because the The one I looked at, their image wasn't indexed, but that's probably just a different case. It could be
1: that maybe what you saw was the the CSS background, and I saw something that was completely different. But if you see
0: that no script tag
1: at the end, it'll come like after the section that has the image. There's like a little no script tag that has the image and the alt text and everything in it.
0: Interesting. Mm -hmm. I love it. (laughs) Uh, It's calling me out for not having enough social sharing widgets on my page. What? (laughs) So to make my website popular in social networks, add social sharing widgets. (laughs) This is so dumb. Yeah, (laughs) I know. And then it's, yeah, it's. uh, And unfortunately, some people
1: will go through these
0: lists and do everything that it says blindly just because the test said to do it. So I might as well do it. (laughs) So let's add three plugins to our site to get this social sharing widget working. Yeah. Uh, Cool. Um, It says my H1 heading is perfect. It says that I, I am missing the H3 level of my heading structure on my homepage. I should fix that. Um, I think I went from H2 straight to H4 unintentionally. Eh, that's I mean, that's, that's fair.
1: I think that's a common thing that you'll find with these tools is that if you're someone who already knows the issues, they can help you rec- recognize things on your site that you missed.
0: Totally. Uh, it says my internal linking is okay, but some of my internal text has been used more than once. I wouldn't ca- call that a problem, but that's okay. They, wait, and they only it,
1: want you to use anchor text for internal links once across the entire site, or per page? I think it's per page at this point. Okay, I guess that makes sense, because yeah. if you're linking, it's not necessarily a problem if the link goes to the same place. If you're using about the same anchor text, <laughs> Yeah. For different links,
0: I would call that a problem. Sure, that could be bad. Um, and then it's it's giving me like a passing score for having six external links on this page. I I would be interested to know if there's a limit, a lower limit to not having enough external links or a upper limit for having too many on their t- tool.
1: Uh, I think let's... that's that's the thing we need to keep driving home here is that every one of these tools someone had to go in and say, here's the ideal range that people should have for X, Y, or Z, or here are problems that should always be fixed. And they just can't make something like that that applies to every single website across the web. Right. Every platform, every specific goal, every, like it, there's always going to be something that they you can't quite it's like people who ask, like, what's the ideal word count for my page? There's no ideal word count, right? That's just a its a made-up <laughs> idea. It has nothing to do with anything. Google's not looking at the number of words. They're looking at, does this solve a problem that a searcher is looking for? Uh, anyway, that's like a, a side rant that we could go for a long time. But the idea here is it. we can't just... It, it would be almost impossible to make a tool at this point that would be dynamic enough to really understand the content context of the kinds of things that these are trying to check. Now, I say at this point, because with some of the AI tools that we have right now and the way things are going with these AI tools, I would not be surprised at all if we had some sort of like AI user agents that go through a site page at a time and are instructed to act like you're a human and give a report on what you find, you know? Right that could be interesting or oh, for sure pretend you're google and tell me the problems that are most likely to impact ranking like could an agent go through that and yeah. give a more interesting
0: report probably we're probably on the verge of stuff like that i mean i, I think about trying to build that tool like every day so yeah it's, <laughs> do it's it, coming you know, do somebody it. smarter is probably there <laughs> you could probably
1: use chat gpt
0: to write it for you exactly <laughs> so it, here's a fun one it it's talking about performance now, and it used four different metrics to gauge the overall performance of my site. Okay. Uh, the first one was just page response time, mm-hmm. which is fair. Like time to first byte kind of thing. Exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's hard. Like where, where are they crawling from compared to my server? Because it, this one is pretty slow. It's saying that it, mine was almost a second, which is, I never see that, that slow of a response time when I test um so yeah that's hard i don't know where they're crawling from i'd I'd love to know more about how they they tested that
1: right and when you see that at the very least you can just say hmm i wonder if there's something going on with my site that i haven't noticed recently and go check it you know run it right. through PageSpeed insights yep. um check your core vitals again you know just like go run some tests to make sure that there's nothing you've done recently that changed things or something happened on your hosting account where you're using more resources than you were in the past or like there are things that can happen that can yep. cause your response time to go down over time or to get worse you know because of some change so it's worth looking at that kind of stuff once in a while but like you mentioned the t- the tool might not be the most reliable source for that kind of thing so exactly it's so
0: uh, and then, like I said earlier, it's flagging that I have 17 JavaScript files, which it says are too many. And then it says that I this page does not require any CSS files uh, to load, and it's giving me a check mark for that. And then it's just saying the file size of the HTML document is fine at uh, 232 kilobytes. So that's all it says for performance. Nothing about like first contentful paint, largest contentful paint, um, I guess first in- input delays being uh, removed from Core Web Vital, so that doesn't matter anymore. Um, but no real user metrics, nothing that would actually affect uh, how a person interacted with my site.
1: I think I think that's the important thing about performance optimization. Really, is knowing enough about connections and devices and browsers to know that things are going to be a little bit different than when you look at your website for someone else looking at your website and knowing what kinds of things might cause problems on some people's devices or connections or, or whatever, um, and being able to, to test for those at least to make sure that your site's loading like you expect it to based on your testing for everyone who's visiting your site. That's the key here. It's not about passing some score to get, or passing some test to get a perfect score. Now with Google, I will say, web vitals I'm actually still very curious about how important it is um, mm-hmm. and my my theory this has kind of been a theory for a while that I haven't looked into and I need to but whenever they essentially gave up on amp yeah I wonder if I mean they already they said this was true for some kind of feature I think it was for news um, what's the the carousel feature for articles that's Like, top stories. I think that's what it is. I think they were saying that for cases where they were saying that they were going to require AMP, uh, they now require you to pass Core Web Vitals to get the same sort of placement. I I can't remember if that's exactly true. Somebody needs to check me on that. But it was something along those lines, essentially, where they got in this lawsuit because they were requiring a technology that was proprietary to be able to get placement in their search engines and... I don't know if it was France or Germany or somebody's like, no, we're not doing that. And (laughs) uh, so Google kind of backpedaled a lot on it. And then they they're like, well, that's when they introduced Core Vitals as like the new standard for whether or not a site is performant. And I don't know what they do with it. I mean, everyone says that it's a ranking factor. Right. So like you're. Core Vitals could impact your ranking if you have it. If it's really low or you're not passing, it's a pass no pass kind of thing, though, right? So it's like, don't pass yep. this, that could be a negative ranking factor. But for photographers, is it really that much of a big deal? We always say things like maybe it's a tiebreaker, but I haven't really seen that in practice necessarily. So I'm wondering are there SERP features where You can only get them if you pass Core Web Vitals. And I'm especially thinking about Discover and Mm -hmm. the new, like, people also ask cards on mobile. I'm wondering, do you get a significantly better chance at winning those features if you pass Core Web Vitals? That would be really interesting. It would be an easy test. Honestly, I need to, like, pick, you know... 100 sites from those features and just run them all and see how many of them pass
0: versus not pass could be one way to test that Exactly, I was thinking the same build a basket of sites test Yeah, I my I did see a google patent or maybe it was a talk where they talked about Just not wanting to send people to slow sites from those site features And I do think discover would probably be like the the easiest test Mm -hmm. um but same with any featured snippet. Like they just, they don't want to feature low-quality sites. They don't want to feature sites that aren't uh, authoritative or have expertise. And they, yeah, just they don't want to feature slow sites.
1: Yeah. Yeah. To me, that's always been like, if I see a site that's taking twenty seconds to load, then I'm like, okay, there's there's probably going to be problems with this in yeah. ranking because Google doesn't want to sure. show that crap. But most people don't have that. If, like, anyone who's using a modern platform, if you're using like a a WordPress theme that's been released in the past few years. If you're using Squarespace, show it Uh, any, I mean, even like Wix and any of the big platforms, you're most likely not going to have a 20 second loading time unless you're just really messing things up with like uploading huge images or like some using some sort of plugin that's blocking or something like that. It's very uncommon to see sites that are that bad because most of the time the site owner is at least going to like look at it on their phone or something and you'll notice it right away. I mean, it'll take 30 seconds for it to load. It'll be a white screen. You would know that's a problem.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: I don't see as many people missing that as I used to. Like maybe five yeah. years ago, I was still seeing quite a few people who I like, would load their site and it was like, dang, this is taking a long time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now it's like one or two a year. Yeah, uh, I, I think I repeat this often, but on like my uh, Miata site that I've, I've built using Cadence and it passed Core Web Vitals from the start, uh, outranking like legacy larger sites that maybe were 10, 15 years old has been quite easy. Uh, and I think that that is one part of it. I think that just having a performance site is, is nice when your competition does not. Um, uh, and photographers, I think like you alluded to, it's fairly easy to have decent performance, not passing Core Web Vitals, but close. Um, uh, but it it takes some work to get a mobile core vital win on a photography site. Yeah. And that puts you in an elite crowd. And I think it would just really depend on your competition. Um, Are you going up against uh, 10 other photographers or directories that all pass? If so, you probably need to as well.
1: Yeah. I'd love to see some more field data on this. So either we'll do it one day, or if anyone listening wants to run that experiment and give us some feedback on what you're seeing, We'd love to get some more data on that. But at least here, you've heard us talk about some theories. Maybe we can have a whole episode about this at some
0: point. That'd be cool. All
1: right, so back to so, the, the crawls. Uh, the one you've been telling so far, was that Ahrefs, Ahrefs or the other one, or both?
0: That was SEO Checker. OK,
1: what does Ahrefs have? They, they're a, a reputable company who would have like a really good tool for something like this,
0: right? Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, my audit is still running. I had to turn off images it was crawling every image on my site and that was going to take years Um, it's it's telling me that i have a health score of gosh it keeps going up (laughs) right now it's at 89. so i i have a fairly healthy site uh it it says i have 101 urls that have errors it's not letting me click those errors until the crawl is done Mm. Um, but we can look at kind of the the issues that it's looking for Um, it's going to give you like that, that list of non 200 pages. So 404s, 4XX, 500s, Mm -hmm. 5XX, um, it's going to have a section for indexability. So same, those are things I look for with my, uh, screaming frog. Mm -hmm. So anything that canonicals, anything that canonicals to a broken link, um, anything where the canonical points to a redirect, um, no follow anywhere on the page no index anywhere on the page or a non-canonical page specified as the canonical um i feel like everyone listening
1: right now except for like our handful of nerds (laughs) are like
0: what in the world are you talking about right now totally so just random technical issues uh that i do come across from time to time but fairly rare and then uh it looks at links uh so uh, maybe you have an HTTPS page, but it's linking to an HTTP internal link uh, or orphan pages, pages that don't have any internal links going to it yeah. uh, or pages bring, linking out to broken pages. I mean, these so, are these are legit things yeah, that, that totally. you might want to fix. I'm not seeing anything weird yet. Um, lots of stuff about indexability that makes sense. It has a whole section for redirects, uh, redirect chain, redirect loops, um, broken redirects etc. I still think the key, I've
1: already said this, but I think the key with these tests like this is understanding why they might get it wrong. Like understanding that it may crawl incorrectly or it may get onto some trail of links that just, you know, oh yeah, but the public can't access that or whatever. Like, I think there's some really interesting, you can't just look at these and say, I'm going to trust what it tells me and try to go fix it. It's more like, It's your first step towards investigating whether there's an actual problem.
0: Exactly. Uh, I think where it gets interesting is the content section. And I'm just going to read off a few of the things that it's looking for uh, in order of importance. Uh, First, multiple meta description tags. I have come across that in the wild. I don't think it's a massive issue. Uh, A, I don't think it's, it's not used for ranking considerations. So... I don't know why they're flagging that as like a a very prominent problem. Um, it's probably a sign that there's something else that
1: needs to get looked at. Like you've probably got two SEO plugins or something like that.
0: Exactly. But like Google can figure that out and Google will just rewrite their own meta description anyways. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) Uh, but you're right. It it could be a a sign of an underlying problem. Multiple title tags. I have come across that in in the photography space and that is a problem. Um, Title Tag missing or empty. This would be interesting because I would I would imagine ninety plus percent of the time if people have this issue on their site, it's because AHREFs is not rendering a JavaScript title properly. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Again, just use it to check yep. and see if there's an actual problem. Exactly.
0: Same with the H1. If there's not an
1: actual problem, don't obsess over getting a perfect score on any test. I know people are going to tell me, yeah, but I have (laughs) ADD or whatever. Don't. That's that's the answer here. You cannot do that with these tests. It's
0: not meant to get a perfect score. It is not worth
1: it. (laughs) And and real quick, I know you've got some more on that, but uh, we we mentioned we might talk about Google Search Console's page report in this uh, conversation. and it's the same way by the way you're never going to get all of those cleared or to they'll show up and they'll say errors but they're not necessarily errors they are and and the language they use is like you should fix this if you want to show up in google and it's like oh What, what we really need to be thinking is this is telling you how google sees your site and you need to look at it and say is this how i want google to see my site and if the answer is yes then you have no problem like i've I would say if I saw a site that had a page report in Search Console that had zero issues, uh, I would consider that to be more problematic or worrisome than if I saw it uh, having a few hundred issues. Because pretty much every site is going to have something that gets affected. Because it's going to tell you if there's things that are no-indexed. It's going to tell you if there's things that are, um, you know... Whatever it is, it, you just need to look and see, did Google get this right? Did they crawl it and find the issue and then resolve the issue on their own the right way? Okay, that's probably fine. I probably don't need to do anything here. And I've seen too many people go in there, and just because it says there's issues, they keep pressing validate. And they try to fix it. <laughs> They're not really doing anything to fix the actual problem on their site. They're just pressing validate over and over. And I think that – I may be wrong about this, but I think that's more problematic to like keep pressing right. validate on things that are – not fixed? I don't know. Yeah. That doesn't seem like a good I, idea to me.
0: I did see something on Twitter about that from a Google employee that they said that having multiple failed validations is actually, like you said, worse than having a non-problem. Yep. So don't go in there pressing validate in Search
1: Console unless you know what you're doing and you've actually fixed the problem because you understood the problem and there was an actual problem and you went and fixed it. If, if it's something that just, you know, a lot of times there's issues in there that'll say, like, last seen, and it'll say is it like, three months ago or something like that. I don't even go fix those I, or validate on those kinds of things. I just leave it because it's fine for Google to have that information to know the history of a URL or something like that. If you fixed it, you fixed it. And nothing else to worry about.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just going to let this hrefs keep going. Um, I'll, I'll probably update in the group when it finishes, and I actually can tell people what problems it found and if they were proper. Uh, But let's quickly go over those Search Console reports and just a really quick overview of the the six or seven that we see often.
1: Yeah, pull that up. And uh, while you're doing that, I will also say for people who might not know about Ahrefs and what that is, um, and maybe you've heard of Simrush instead, it's basically the same thing. Ahrefs and and Simrush are kind of like uh, Nikon and Canon. They're just like two um, brands that do a very, very similar product. Um, and the SEMrush audit is going to be very similar. One specific thing to bring up, though, is the toxic link score oh, <laughs> or gosh. report that you'll find in SEMrush. A lot of people get worried about that one, where it says that they have toxic backlinks, and it'll give you like a score of how toxic they are. <laughs> and people really worry about it. And uh, it's almost never something that you need to worry about. I, I would right. say, OK, how long have I been doing this? Uh, 10 or 15 years it's been that i've been looking at stuff like this i think i've come across two or three sites that had actual need for disavow like we saw a manual penalty and it said that there was like a link scheme or something like that and those links needed to be disavowed because basically google was giving you an ultimatum it's like either you tell us that you weren't doing this on purpose and we'll decredit you know we'll, we'll get rid of them all or you're penalized And so when you get that situation, that's when you go fix that stuff. Um, The only other thing I will say is just like every other thing we've talked about so far, it can be interesting to just see if there's some sort of pattern or um, maybe an underlying problem. Because I have seen some of those reports where I look at the backlinks and I see a pattern of backlinks where I'm like, ooh, I see what happened here. For the most part, it's just like the web being random. The, there's lots and lots and lots of bots out there. They're scraping lots of sites, building random new sites, trying to get them indexed, trying to get things to rank, trying to get people to click on things that are scams or to get more ad impressions. Or There's lots and lots of schemes out there that people are running. And your site will get, uh, cross, like it will cross paths with some of those bots and you will have some of those links and you'll have some of that traffic and you just can't worry about that too much. But there are also things that happen that are things like uh, negative SEO attacks. Although I haven't heard of anyone doing that in a while. Have you, have you seen that in any of like the SEO groups or anything?
0: I'm not in it's like the black the hat years. stuff very much anymore. Yeah. It, it, Google kind of got better at handling it. Yeah. They, they <laughs> I say think. they
1: fixed it. Mean, like they tried uh, to make it. So that's
0: almost impossible. I mean, I think it still works if people are, really good at the negative seo exactly uh i don't see it in the photography world i, think I don't for the
1: most part like if people are going to do a negative seo attack they're going to just do a review thing like where they send a whole bunch of people yeah. to leave one star reviews
0: yeah um i think uh, one quick mention on your uh toxic link report ahrefs actually was trolling yesterday just talking about how they get requests for that feature and how they will never add that to their tool because it is just complete garbage. so dumb and yeah.
1: it's definitely a sales um tool it's trying oh. to get people to pay an seo to do something that seems really scary
0: yeah and we see that in the groups people are like so afraid that their sites are like being penalized and not ever going to rank and, oh my gosh i have a, I have 50 links from these sites oh my gosh Um, What's the worst you've ever
1: seen as far as like actual link problem? Can you think of anything?
0: Yeah. Gosh. I mean,
1: I mean, I've seen the like typical, you have like 500 porn links or something like that. Yeah,
0: for sure. Not great, but it happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's happened to my sites for years, for decades. Um, I think the worst I've ever seen was a, it was like a hack it was a network of hacked sites where they were embedding. I think it was like met, uh, pharmaceutical type keyword links. And for some reason, including this person's domain and it was across thousands and thousands of sites. But yeah, even then their rankings weren't affected.
1: (laughs) Yeah. All right. So what uh, we're going to talk about search console.
0: Yeah, so there are 10 maybe errors that you're going to get emails in your inbox or see uh, notifications when you log into Search Console. Uh, and I'm, I'm just going to go through them one by one really quickly. Uh, the first is crawled, currently not indexed. Uh, that means Google's seen a URL, but they don't think it's worth indexing. Go through that and just make sure that there aren't important pages that you actually want indexed in that list. Uh, if you see feed pages and other stuff that's just like, Like created by WordPress or your platform and and isn't something that you actually want to be indexed, that's okay. Uh, Google's just actually not indexing stuff that they see at scale that did not need to be indexed. Uh, Real
1: quick, note, if you're looking at the page report, I know this is a little bit hard on a podcast, but there's a column that says source. And the source can either be website or Google systems. I don't know if there's any other sources, but If it says google systems which is what crawled currently not indexed will always say uh that means that there is no uh, specific action that you can take to fix the problem it's their decision based on what they found now that doesn't mean that you can never take any action that will like sometimes you might have crawled currently not indexed or discovered uh, currently not indexed and you'll look through that list and you'll be like Oh, I see. That's they're probably putting that on the list because it's a low quality page. It you know, to them, because it has very little text or the way I loaded this wasn't correct, or Google probably couldn't crawl it because it had too many images at the top. I don't know. There's some things like that where you might be able to figure out why Google put it in that report, but the general reason is going to be because they don't think it's worth indexing. Right? So you have to think If there's something in the crawled or discovered but not currently indexed why didn't google want to index this and either i think it's going to be one it's low quality um or two it's duplicate Uh, they they think they already have that information in the index and they don't need it they don't need more of it
0: exactly there's more but those are the main things that i think for sure. And like you alluded to, discovered currently not indexed is the same as crawled, but they didn't even think it was worthwhile to send their bot to crawl. Uh, they know the URL exists, but they're not going to go look at it. Uh, next, we have excluded by no index tag. Simply go through this list and make sure that you meant to noindex these pages. That's it. Uh, after that, we have not found 404. Make sure that these URLs are URLs that you've deleted or don't exist that... Uh, you meant to delete. This is also a report where sometimes you will see spam attacks or hacked attacks where uh, somebody is building links to your site to URLs that don't exist. Uh, just make sure that anything you see there makes sense to you. Real quick, another like tip I'm, I'm interrupting, but this as people
1: are looking at this, there's some common things that come up. One of them is if you're looking in a uh, domain property, um, Meaning that you verified the entire domain via um, uh, DNS, then mm-hmm. you'll get very all variations of the URL. So you need to pay attention when you're looking at the URLs in this report to see if they're HTTP, HTTPS, www, or non-www. Because if you see and you, if you know what your canonical address is, and you see ones that are not your canonical address but they're resolving properly, you can often ignore what it's saying there. The the way that I usually see this coming up is people had their site 10 years ago and they had uh, HTTP or they've switched between www and non-ww since then but a lot of their internal links on their older pages still use the old URL, the old convention. So Google still discovers them and then puts them in these reports to say oh we found this but it
0: redirects to this other url and so we're just indexing the one that it redirects to yep. hint do a search and replace on your database for those old links yep. and replace them <laughs> pretty easy if with your own wordpress <laughs> exactly uh, the next report page with redirect it's almost often the same problem you were just talking about uh, i normally see that with a https or HTTP to HTTPS uh, redirect, or if they switch from www to non-www or vice versa. After that, alternate page with proper canonical tag. Uh, typically, Google handles canonicalization properly. Uh, we've seen a few instances. I think one we, that we saw in the group last week was a PDF that they didn't have attributed properly. Uh, these are just look in that list and see if there's an issue there. I, I've almost never seen an actual problem. Uh, If you have an SEO plugin on your site or your platform handles canonicalization properly, which most of the large platforms do now, finally, in 2023. Um, And then finally, BlockedByRobots.txt, that's just going to simply show any URLs that Google's crawling that they're not able to actually download uh, the page because they see that the robots file is disallowing them from doing so. Uh, So that's just somewhere where most people don't block anything important with their robots page on photography sites Uh, so I almost never see issues there
1: it's funny because I almost never see issues that are real issues period it does happen it does come up Uh, in fact I pulled up mine while we're sitting here talking about it uh, for my photography site and I was looking in the um, discovered currently not indexed report and it has my slash about page and slash blog Mm -hmm. Um, and then it has slash top 10 wedding tips, 2012. Uh, so all of those, okay. If I, if I look at the about page, it's blank, I didn't even realize it, but there's no content on that about page. Um, so it resolves and it's a, it's like a template, but there's just nothing in it. And so of course they're not going to index that. It's an empty page. Um, the blog, I think it was something similar. It's like, Yeah, there's nothing on it. It's just a blank page where I didn't insert the feed back in or something like that. And then you have the other one, which is that 2012 page. And right off the bat, you know Google's like, well, this is probably really outdated. But when you go to the post, you also see that all of the images are broken. And it's a pretty image-heavy post. So Google's like, "Ah, this is probably not a good user experience. It's a really old post that has a whole bunch of images that are broken. We're not going to index that. So, like, those are real issues. I looked at that, and I could easily just intuitively go look at those pages and say, ah, I see. This is not – Google doesn't want to index these. A lot of times, though, we do get people asking, like, they went to the page, and they're like, no, this is an important page, and this is something that is high quality or useful, and Google's choosing not to index it. It's pretty rare, but it does happen, and a lot of times the answer is like, well, uh, try something different, you know, like add some new content to the page or – Link to it. Make sure it's you're linking to it from your homepage, or like show Google that it's important, and maybe they'll treat it more importantly. Um, but there's not always like a really straightforward answer. And anyway, one other thing that came up recently, um, someone had some issues, and I looked at it, and I was about to just be like, oh, that's not an issue. But we looked, and there was they were on WordPress, but their URLs would resolve with and without the trailing slash, and Google yeah. was getting. Both versions of every URL, and uh, it was like, well, you know, it seems like Google's kind of figured this out, but that's a problem. Like we should—that's a technical problem that we can easily fix. So let's fix it. Exactly.
0: Yep. All right. Last tool uh, before we jump off for today, I wanted to just do GT metrics. I, in general. All performance tools are going to give similar results, but I see people posting their GT metrics screenshots all the time in SEO groups. Uh, really quick, the GT metrics grade, so the A to F, does not matter. The performance score, uh, zero to one hundred percent, does not matter, and either does the structure score. The only things I look for on these tools would be time to first byte which that's just going to tell you, is your server performing well? Maybe do you have caching in place? Like, does Google get the data quickly? And then first contentful paint slash largest contentful paint. That's a that's a, a rating that Google's actually looking for in Core Web Vitals, where they want to see how quickly is the page starting to uh, show the main content and how quickly is that largest like hero section resolved or, or rendered. And that's really all that matters. People want to see that they go to a website and they see content quickly. Uh, Google's not looking at time to interactive anymore. Um, so yeah, that's, that's all that matters to me.
1: Yeah. I think hopefully people really are seeing the theme throughout this entire episode, which is these reports and tools can be helpful to an SEO, to someone who's trained to someone who understands the issues first and is going to try to solve them, um, it needs a tool to help automate the checking, the discovery of these issues, but that none of the tools that currently exist that we've tested are the kind of tool where we, where we would ever recommend that you simply look at the final score, whether it's a health score or a you know, SEO score or, or even performance score, and simply base your decision on on what activity you should be doing, on trying to improve that score. It's the same thing with Yoast and the green lights. It's like, don't follow something just to get the check mark, just to get the green light, just to get the high score. Make sure that you really thoroughly understand the problems that it's uh, telling you that you have, and then decide whether that problem is something that needs to get fixed, and uh, in, in maybe even whether it's a priority like, Maybe it could be, yeah. Technically, I should fix this, but it's not going to impact my ranking. And since I have a hundred other things to do, I'm going to do those instead. Like, you don't worry about, th- don't think that these scores are going to indicate whether or not you can rank. And if you are not ranking now and you're getting low scores on some of these tests, it's probably not the case that if you just improve the score on the test, that you'll definitely improve your rankings. Um, that being said, like I have, I, when I was really fresh into SEO there were some tools out there that I would use sort of like that Moz had one actually uh, it was mm-hmm. not their domain authority score but it was uh, it was basically an on-page checker and you it was like uh, Yoast kind of you put in a keyword and it would check the page I think it was a browser extension actually was it was in the Moz yeah. bar uh, it might have been I in the so. Moz bar and it was like you could look at the page give it a keyword and it would give you a score and it was like you know if i had one that was like if i could get into the green it actually did help me rank for those keywords in some cases but even that you don't see as many people doing that now because it feels like that that's the old school way of doing seo that being said there's still people doing that with things like surfer where it does give you a score and you're basically following the checklist like add more h2s and put your keyword in three more h3s and then you're going to get a score and We have, I've even seen one of our students right now, like a couple of months ago, he was sending me updates every week and just being like, I'm following the suggestions in Surfer and I'm getting incredibly good results in my rankings. So, you know, if you know what you're doing, these tools can really be a way to help you find the things, give you like a checklist or kind of guide you through the activities. But you should basically already know those activities and like the fact that you would do them anyways and use the tool to help you like find the places where you might've missed
0: it or you just haven't got to it yet. Exactly. And also no when to completely disregard those recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> that's hard. That's like, hard. If you're not a pro, like
1: if you haven't been doing this yeah. a long time, knowing when to ignore a recommendation of a tool, that's a, it's much easier said than done. I don't know if I have like really good advice on, I hope this episode has been at least a little bit helpful But I would say like, I would lean towards ignoring the tool and trusting your intuition in most cases.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think we should wrap that up. We're almost an hour. This is going to be our longest podcast in a long time. Yeah, hopefully people stuck with us through it. (laughs) Got a little technical there. (laughs) Exactly. And really, I hope we don't scare you away with the technical talk in general. It was just to somewhat show SEO can be very technical, but in general photographers don't need to be technical at all no and i think these tools scare people in a way that i always get an uneasy feeling when i see people are rightfully scared when they run a report and they get a scary result it it it, they they want to figure that out and get help Um, i want you to feel assured that almost all of the time there is no real problem you're fine your site's fine these are not the things you need to be concentrating on. But if
1: you want a place where you can ask a professional if it's an actual problem, we have a place for you. So check out okay. our, our community um, and the membership right now. You can get our SEO course and also access to myself and Dylan. Um, I'm doing weekly office hours calls. Uh, we have a separate group. It's not a Facebook group. It's a really cool community Um if you have things like this that come up when you're running reports, people are doing this all the time. Um, And I feel like at least in our um, membership, a lot of the people are starting to kind of get it where it's like they're not freaking out. They just run a report and they're like, what does this mean? Can you tell me if I need to worry about this or not? And they run it by us and we tell them. um, So if you're looking for that kind of thing, we've got it for you and we'd love to have you there. For sure.
0: Definitely check out the membership and I will talk to you on the next podcast. See you then. This podcast is brought to you by our very own SEO course. SEO can be difficult to learn and implement on your own and troublesome to hire out. To fix this, we've created a course that walks you through the steps to optimize your own site from start to finish. Visit FuelYourPhotos.com to learn more.